If you have your Bible, open it to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through actually 13. I know it says 16 up on there, but that's a mistake. John Wesley said, if you catch on fire with enthusiasm, people will come for miles to watch you burn. And as we look at this portion of the book of Acts, I love this because this isn't out of the ordinary. This is unusual. And I guess I love it just for that sake because I feel at home with the unusual. But also, there is something inside me that rebels against becoming ordinary and doing things out of the sake of doing things, of becoming religious because of the sake of religiosity, because of the sake of tradition. We see Jesus fighting against that throughout the Gospels with the Pharisees, that they have taken the heart of God and made it just instructions and words and writings. And something in me just does not want to live a life that is doing things just because you're supposed to do things on your own. This is how we've done it. This is how we always done it. If there is not the life of God in it, I don't want to be there. And this has a change where the the power of God comes upon those followers of his and changes the world around them. And that's what I want. That's what I long for. I don't want to just come here on Sundays because we're supposed to. It's Sunday, got to go to church. Oh, we're going to be late, you know, get my coffee. They didn't have pumpkin scones today. I'm kind of bummed, you know, and sorry. But we can get routine and it becomes what? Is it connected to God? Because if it's connected to God, then it should be alive. And so I love this passage because we see the church explode. And that's what I want to see take place in all of our lives. Let's read verses 1 through 13 together. When the day of Pentecost came, and the word Pentecost means 50, by the way, in the Greek, and it has to do with 50 days after the feast, and that's why it's called that. They came all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews And every nation under heaven, from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthenians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus in Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, don't laugh, Egypt and the parts of Libya near 
Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, They have had too much wine. We're going to stop right there. First thing we see taking place is they are gathered together, and we talked a little bit about this Sunday and more Wednesday night about them waiting on the Lord, waiting for what Jesus had promised was going to happen. And then what we see here is we see that there is this sound of, of wind that just comes. And I love the way it says blowing of a violent wind. It's actually kind of like a tornado just shook this place. They heard this noise. It couldn't be denied. And, and it was violent. One of the words that is used there is actually a violent wind. I know the King James, it'll say a rushing wind, but the word in the actual meaning is it was like violent sounding. And I don't know when you think of violence, you don't think necessarily, oh, that's that's nice. You think violent is like, oh, gosh, have you ever been in a, a windstorm or a tornado or a hurricane, something like that? I haven't, but I've seen pictures and I, I've seen videos and, and it's tremendous and it's frightening. My son living in Texas was telling about the recent hurricane and he was up above San Antonio, but it still knocked trees over and it took the power out and it was just earth shaking and it was noisy. And we see here that the word for wind is actually the same word that is used for spirit. It's pneuma. And we see in John chapter 3, Verses 5 through 8, that Jesus said, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. There's that word pneuma. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. And again, the word pneuma is used for both spirit and wind. And so we see the, the wind symbolic of the Holy Spirit comes down here and starts blowing through. And then we also see that fire came down and separated and hovered over each of them like tongues of fire. And fire is again symbolic in who it represents. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 24, it says, For the Lord your God is a consuming fire. We know that there was a pillar of fire that was representing the presence of God that was there for the children of Israel as they were in the wilderness wandering. And then when the Lord gave the law and the commandments to Moses in Exodus 19, verse 17, it says, Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace. The whole mountain trembled violently. There's that word violently again. You see, this is very symbolic. And the people 
who were there, the Jewish people, and Luke accounting these things, is making reference to the wind and fire because they are very symbolic. There's no misunderstanding what these things are talking about. This is talking about the Spirit of God and God Himself descending. And now, just as God had descended upon Mount Sinai and given instruction to His people, God was now descending on His people, not a mountain. And remember what Jeremiah talks about, about the new covenant that is being put in our hearts. That's what's being established here. God is not descending with fire upon a mountain to give the law to the people. God is descending upon his people by his Holy Spirit. And now engraving his law within their hearts and minds. This is evidence of a testimony of the new work that God was doing upon his people. There's a, an account that's been rehearsed and recorded of Thomas Aquinas walking through the Vatican with, with one of the popes there. And the pope was showing all the splendor and wealth that was there that they had accumulated in the Vatican. And he said to Thomas, well, Thomas, I guess we can no longer say silver and gold have I none as they looked at the splendor and the wealth that was around him. And Thomas Aquinas looked at the Pope and said, but neither can we say in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And the Pope understood what that meant. It is very natural for us to take things and to reduce them, the things of God, and reduce them to things of men. But there is something that is violent and unnerving about the power of God that shakes people and changes them. And that is a frightening thing. But that is what we desire because it is not about us just doing things. It's about God doing things in us and through us. Now, I want to touch on the speaking in tongues as it relates to being filled with the Holy Spirit. We're not going to go into in depth what the gift of tongues is because really that's not the focus of this chapter, but because it is here, I believe it's necessary to address these things. And so we want to look at these. Speaking in tongues, and we'll go through this pretty quickly, Is it just speaking in another language? We see that's what happened here in chapter 2, verse 6. They spoke in his own language, and the word is dialect. And it lists all that, the names of all the people who were there who heard them in their own dialect, declaring the wondrous works of God. So there is definitely that aspect of it. 1 Corinthians 12, 9, Paul says that they speak to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, diverse kinds of tongues, which means there are various types of tongues. Also in Corinthians 13, 1, continuing as he talks in chapters 12 through 14 about the gifts of the Spirit, and that's where we would get into depth about the different gifts, which we're not going to do here. But in chapter 13, verse 1, he says, "...though I speak in the tongues of men and of angels." 
So we see here that there's different kinds of tongues. There's men and of angels. Here in chapter 2, we definitely see there is a dialect that is an actual language that people can understand. But then in 1 Corinthians 14, 2, he says, if anyone speaks in a tongue, does not speak to men, but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit. So there is apparently a type of gift that is something that people can understand as a dialect. And then there is also a gift that is a different kind of tongue, tongues of angels, diverse, that people can't understand. So there's various types of gifts. Well, what are they for? Why are there these different gifts and and what is the purpose of them? Well, it says that he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. So it's to build yourself up. That is one of the reasons. You go on in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians 22, and I know I'm going through this quick, but I, I do think it's important to touch on these things. We see that tongues are a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers. Well, we see that taking place here in chapter 2, don't we? They all heard them declaring the wondrous works of God in their own tongue, their own dialect. So we see that there is the possibility for tongues to be assigned to the non-believers. There's one story I know of that took place over at Twin Peaks. It was at a, a conference. It was at a retreat, a men's retreat, I believe. No, it was a family retreat. And this was years ago where... They actually went to meet at a uh, hotel there nearby and were having another meeting there at one of the local hotels. And as they were there, they had to rent out uh, the room. And in the room, one of the requirements for the hotel was that you rent out the bar, pay for the bartender. And so they weren't drinking there at the, you know, retreat, but there was a bartender there and he was there, you know, polishing the glasses and doing the things bartenders do when no one's drinking just kind of hanging out. And as they were meeting and praying together, someone stood up or or spoke up and spoke in an unknown tongue and they didn't understand it. And the person who was there saying, well, there's not an interpretation, so we're going to move ahead and move forward. And they went and concluded the meeting. And after the meeting, the bartender said, I need to speak to that man who spoke. And I said, what are you talking about? There was a man who was praying In my tongue, he was from Iran, and he spoke Farsi, Persian. And he says, I never heard the truth and wonders of God spoke like that. I need to talk to that man. The guy didn't know Farsi. No one knew Farsi except the bartender. But he got saved that night as this man spoke out. It can be a sign to a non-believer. Now, I know, if you're like me, something in you says, yeah, I don't know about that. We have to be willing to let God be God and change our lives and do the miraculous. Things that you don't expect, don't let your doubt stop the work of God from taking place in your heart, in your life, and in the life of this body of believers. I want to see God work. It'd be cool to speak Farsi or Italian, whatever. But we see that the gift can be a sign to the non-believers. But then right after that, it says, so if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and some who do not understand or some unbelievers come in, will they not say you are out of your mind? Yes, they will. And yes, they have. I don't know if you've ever been to one of those places, but I have. 
where you go in and they're dancing and they're all singing out in tongues. And it's like, oh, good. I'm glad I did not bring my friend here because they would think we're bona fide nuts. Well, how can you be assigned to the non-believer and then the non-believer come in and think you're nuts? Well, there's different kinds of tongues. There's different forms that the gift is used in. And so it's important to understand the differences that are there and what is taking place here in chapter 2. Well, then, if you're filled with the Spirit baptized in the spirit do you speak in tongues is that what's the evidence of speaking in tongues well it is here and also in acts chapter 10 verse 46 and acts chapter 19 verse 6 but it's not in acts 431 917 and 139 so it can be but it's not necessary There are some people who say, if you're filled with the Spirit, you need to speak in tongues. Well, that's not the account throughout the book of Acts. It does happen sometimes, but not every time. And if we look from Corinthians 12 to 14, we see that the true evidence or the better way that Paul talks about is actually love. That love is an evidence of the the Spirit of God working in us and through us. And so that is what's important. So then, What is being filled with the Spirit for? What what, what is this all about? Well, Jesus told us what this was about in chapter 1, verse 8, when he said, you will receive power when the Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. So it was power for what? To proclaim. The purpose for the baptism of the Spirit is power to proclaim. I've got this can of shaving cream in my shower. It's Barbasol. And it's the jumbo size. Now, I've also got this other can. It's the edge, the gel kind. And I got it because I knew I was going to run out of this one, so I got the other one. And, you know, the gel one's kind of cool. I like the way it fills and then turns into, you know, cream. I think that's a pretty cool thing. There's a point. Don't worry. But when there stops being a point, let me know, okay? Because then then it's time to stop this, okay? This can of shaving cream, a couple of weeks ago, it started losing the pressure. You know, it stopped coming out so smooth, and then it started kind of sputtering, but it still was coming out. In fact, it was coming out very concentrated, and so it was working great. Even though it was just a little bit, it's like, wow, this is really dense and concentrated, I know, you guys thinking I'm out of here now. And I was thinking, well, okay, I'm going to use this until, you know, it's gone, because then I got this new gel stuff that I can't wait to put on my face. Two weeks ago, and it's still working. I mean, it's still coming out. Every I wonder, every morning when I get in the shower, I'm wondering, is this the day when the Barbasol will end? <laughs> yes, it's an exciting life I live. <laughs> I have no doubt that one day the can of shaving cream is going to end. It's just a matter of time. It it surprised me for two weeks, but it's a matter of time before it ends. Because it's done. It is impossible 
to live the life that God has called us to live without the power that God enables us to give. You will run out of strength if you are going to live the life that is powerful in affecting the world around us. You and I do not have the strength. We will, like that can of Barbasol, last as long as we can and we'll put our best effort and we'll do as much as we can and we'll muscle up and we'll be vigilant and as powerful as we can, but eventually we will run out of strength unless we are empowered and filled with the Spirit of God. Now, you can live the life without the power. And you can live your entire life without the power. But if you are going to impact the world with the fire of enthusiasm and strength and violent action that God wants to interact with the world around you, you need his power. I need his power. You cannot do it without it. That's what it's for. Now, okay, give me that power. I want that power. How how do you get this power? I mean, what is this for? Well, throughout the lives of these followers of Jesus, we see that they were filled over and over and over again. I want to look at three passages. First on how do you receive that spirit? How do you receive that power? Jesus said in Luke 11.13, and the context was asking of God, asking, knocking, seeking. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You need to ask. You need to ask. They waited on the Lord for the promise to come. You need to wait and you need to ask. Jesus also said in Luke 12, when you are brought before the synagogues, rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. Don't you need that? Don't you want that kind of ability? God, I need to know what to say at the time when I'm there. Holy Spirit can do that. In fact, we're going to look at an account where he did do that in the disciples, and we're going to turn there quickly to Acts chapter 4, verse 29. Now remember, this is after Pentecost. We're in chapter 4 now. So we're two chapters later. However much time is in between those two chapters. I didn't look it up. But we're after Pentecost and we see starting in verse 29, this is they were presented before the Jewish court and they were wondering what to do with them because they were continuing to talk about Jesus. And so they they threatened them. And in verse 29 says, now, Lord, as they're praying together after they've been just threatened, they said, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word With great boldness, stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of Jesus, your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Here it does. It happens again. And what happens? And they spoke the word of God boldly. That's what they just prayed for. 
There was a time when they were threatened, when they were put in the corner, they gathered together and they prayed, they asked. And they said, God, you've heard the threats. Don't let the threats stop your work in our lives. Give us boldness to be able to to share that signs would be done, wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And again, the place was shaken. And we see this happen throughout their lives. They are filled with the Spirit. They are empowered and they do the work of God. Do not think that we are any different where we can get by with just filling up once. We need to fill up over and over and over again. And I love their prayer that they would do miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Lord, give us the ability to do miraculous things through the name of your son, Jesus. When's the last time you prayed that? God, let me do miraculous things through the name of your son, Jesus. God, may your your glory be seen and may you use us to help that be seen. Where Where is that power in our prayer? Where Where is that vision or is our prayer just... You know, Lord, we, we just want to stay safe. You know, Lord, make it comfortable for us. Help us to, you know, be good and not sin a lot. And it's like there, there's nothing about themselves in here. It's, Lord, let us do your work. They're leaning into the wind just saying, God, I'm going to move forward. Empower me to do more. Not just to stay here and not do bad, but to do good for you. Empower us. That's what we need. That's what we need. We need to be empowered over and over and over again to make an effect on the world around us for Jesus' sake. And I tell you, I I can't do it without his power. I run out. I I, I get exhausted. I lose my vision. I lose my desire. I lose my energy. I lose my focus. My focus easily goes right back to me. Man, I'm tired. Man, I can't do that. What about this? What about that? I just can't do it. God, Fill me like the fire that came down on Mount Sinai and came down on your church. May it come down on me. May it set my heart ablaze with the things that you want. I love where Jeremiah said, I'm not going to speak your words anymore, God. I'm done. I'm done. And he said, I couldn't shut up because your words, they burned within me. May we be set afire with the passion of God and the power of God to do the things that God wants us to do. May we not limit God because of our limitations. 
May we believe that he really is God and still does the miraculous, still changes the lives of people, still touches and heals people, still restores people who are broken, still does what only God can do. May we believe that, may we pray that, and may we desire to see that take place within our lives so that we don't just do the same old, but we are connected with the life and the power of God himself. Because otherwise, we will come and do church. And you guys, I don't want to do church. I'm not good at that. And I don't think you want to either. But I do want to be set afire. I do want to see God work in my life and in yours. And we're going to stop here, and there is so much. I mean, this chapter goes on, and the first sermon that is given by Peter, and all of a sudden the church goes from 120 in this upper room to 3,000. Yeah. Imagine children's ministry next week. (laughs) Just turns things upside down. I'd love to see things turned upside down or right side up, whichever way you want to look at it. I'd love to see those things happen, wouldn't you? It's not going to happen unless we are empowered with the power that God gives to do the things that God does in our lives. And for that, we need to wait on him, we need to ask him, and we need to seek him for that to take place in our lives because it is available to those who have faith in him. It is available to you here this morning, to me here this morning. Do you want it? Ask for it. Well, what's going to happen? I don't know. Will I speak in tongues? Maybe. Maybe not. But you do need the power. God's not going to make you wig out and do something weird. He's going to empower you for service, power to proclaim. And that's what we need. Let's pray. God, there is so much that we need from you. And we want that this morning. Lord, you know each of our hearts here. You know where we're at. You know the areas of our weakness. You know the areas of our fatigue, But you also know the ability, if we will be empowered by you, of each one of us here. And Lord, you desire to do more in us than we could imagine. If we would wait upon you, if we would ask you, if we would desire your work within us, if we would cry out like they did, Lord, give us the boldness to do wondrous things in your son Jesus' name. If we would cry that out, God, you would hear that cry and you would answer. And so, God, right now I cry out. And I pray you would fill me. God, I'd freak out if this place was shaken and, and the wind came, but I would welcome it. 
And I do pray you would shake our lives up. Father, it is a violent thing that takes place when you fall upon an individual. You change us dramatically. Change me dramatically, God. Make me useful. And empower me to do what I cannot do by myself. I can only do with you. I pray that for all of us here. And we do ask these things in Jesus' name.